Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Anna Leskovich. And I'm Caroline Crampton. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. It's a special, you know, short and sweet episode this week because as we talk, I'm hopefully like lying on a beach in Long Island in New York and not thinking about the world. Mm, lovely. Yeah, I'm really excited. So we've recorded this little episode in advance just to tide you over while I finally get a bit of a holiday in. So this week, Caroline has very helpfully organised an Ask Us special. I suppose it's a bit like a Reddit AMA and Ask Me Anything, right? Yeah, so we mentioned this a few times on the show and we put out posts on social media and some people got back to us with some questions about things they've always wanted to know about us and the podcast. So we thought we'd answer them now. Did anyone ask me to marry them? Sadly, no. Oh, You'd think there'd be at least one. Yeah, also no one asked how could they give us lots of money, oh, which was one that I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you win some, you lose some. But we did get some good questions, didn't we? One question that came in from Alice Eyre and some others, hello Alice, was why do we have a Dalmatian as the Seriously logo or a dog? Which I guess I'm best placed to answer because yeah. I did the logo. Yeah, <laughs> what was it? A couple of years ago now, when we first decided we were going to do a podcast, I said, Anna, can you do the logo? And you said, yes, here is a Dalmatian I've drawn. <laughs> yeah, I just knocked it off on Photoshop. I love Dalmatians. I've had a, long, a lifelong obsession with Dalmatians. Dalmatians were perhaps the first thing that I took overly seriously. <laughs> Look at me trying seamlessly to link it to the themes of our podcast, even though I don't think I was thinking that at the time. I think I was two years old when my auntie bought me a VHS copy of 101 Dalmatians, the 1959, I think. It's really old. 1960s, anyway. Disney movie about Pongo and Purdy mm. and Cruella de Vil, etc. I was obsessed with it. I watched it all day, every day. I was also already obsessed with dogs. I like loved dogs growing up. I just like, had, I just, I don't know. I still love dogs and a lot of people do. But as a kid, I was like obsessed with dogs. Anyway, it became a Dalmatian specific obsession. Like everything I owned had like Dalmatian spots. And the real key part of this obsession was that I did go everywhere in a full 
Dalmatian suit for like maybe two and a half years of my life. Um, <laughs> she's highly embarrassing, but I went to my first school disco in a Dalmatian suit because that was just, I, it was disgusting. It was so dirty. Eventually my mum had to cut the feet off so that my ankles would just grow in the gap uh, be- <laughs> between between the foot and the, and the bottom of the suit because I just wore it for so long. And I had also read this book. Did you ever read I Want a Cat? No. It was like a picture book. I'm trying to remember the person who wrote it. It's like Terry somebody. It's like a famous kids author. Yeah, I read I Want a Cat and the plot of I Want a Cat was this girl put on a cat suit and refused to take it off until her her parents bought her a cat. Ah, is that what you were up to? So that's sort of what I was up to, but also I think I just really enjoyed my doggy life. (laughs) Then at the end of the book, she gets a cat and then the next day she's in like a dog suit and she's saying I want a dog so I guess Uh. it's a moral about like people never being satisfied but whatever I yeah I wore that dog suit and on my fifth birthday I got given a Wendy house my granddad built me a Wendy house in my back garden and I would like apparently looked at it did like a slightly disappointed face like then they could see like the cogs whirring in the back of my mind and then I suddenly gasped and was like you got me a kennel and was like really really happy like ran into my kennel like sat in there like a dog my mum was absolutely despairing she didn't know what to do about it at all and then on one birthday I think it must have been the same birthday she told me a story about a girl who like wished and wished and wished that she could be a dog and wished so much that it came true and she became a dog and she had to eat can after can of dog food for the rest of her days. And even when she cried, her tears smelt like dog food because of how much dog food she'd eaten. And that's when I stopped pretending to be a dog. <laughs> so that's that's the weird story of my childhood. And it is highly embarrassing. But that's basically where the dog came from in that Dalmatians are just a motif that are in the back of my mind all the time. I have like Dalmatian postcards in my bedroom. My boyfriend got me like a ceramic Dalmatian stapler that I still have. It's just a little bit of my childhood that I try to keep with me, basically. So, yeah, I went for a Dalmatian. <laughs> that's, about as, that's about as well as I can explain yeah. it. Thanks and, for the question. And in terms of how it came to be the podcast logo, Anna designed it, showed me, I said, that looks cool, let's use that. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah, there is no deeper significance necessarily to the concept of having a podcast. But also, the no. dog just looks quite serious, I think. Yeah, And I take Dalmatians very seriously. So there you go. So there you go, Alice. I hope that satisfies you. Uh, So now we have a question from friend of the podcast and former guest, Laura Snapes, who says, I would love to hear you talk about your fave is problematic culture. Yeah, which is interesting. So how would you best explain your fave is problematic culture? I think I'd probably say it's just the idea that like any celebrity that you think is cool or I don't know, like, liberal in some way or like just yeah anyone that you really admire is probably going to come out and disappoint you at some point with some like really right wing or like regressive or like hateful belief yeah it's kind (laughs) of like milkshake duck but specifically for celebrities that you like totally probably a really good example of this for you might be johnny depp would you say oh yeah so i think there's a whole different kind of thing isn't there there's like people actually that you actually love and respect like turning out to be terrible people that's one side of your favorite problematic culture another side of it is the kind of like pickiness of like people holding people to very high standards and them not meeting them 
And there are some people who would be like, you know, everyone ends up being labeled problematic for something. And eventually you just have to be like, you know what? I like them anyway. Yeah, they fucked up when they said like that annoying thing. But actually, I think they're a good person. I don't think they're like racist or, you know, I don't think they're... It depends how it comes at different extremes, right? Yeah, definitely. And Johnny Depp is the end of the spectrum that is just like, oh, I really loved this human and thought that they were cool and turns out they've actually done some really really dark really like inexcusable things that you actually just can't really defend that was probably the saddest one for me that's ever happened yeah there's you're right there's definitely degrees of it because there are certainly people who do things that are not acceptable and you have to look askance at people who continue to be fans of actual racists like for instance people who are still clint eastwood fans after like all of his ridiculous gun stuff and like republican supporting that weird thing where he interviewed a chair at the republican national convention you know that kind of stuff there's that and then there's way way milder versions of it like one of my own ones i would say is i was deeply deeply invested in the character of cj craig in the west wing in the first few series is he the bold one no she she's the um oh, she. the press secretary she's <laughs> alison janney's character oh yeah 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 sorry yeah and so yeah i was completely obsessed with her and then oh, don't tell me that's something problematic about alison janney no god no there's nothing problematic about her but as i say this is a very mild example but because i wasn't watching the west wing like concurrently with it being on there wasn't much press or anything around it so it was actually several years after my initial obsession that i saw an interview with her about the west wing where she was basically like yeah i'm just really not into politics at all like i didn't really understand half of what i was saying but you know i really loved playing the character for the human side of her but i found all of the policy stuff you know just went over my head a bit and it's not what i'm interested in at all whereas some of the other actors in the west wing like bradley whitford and dule hill and stuff have become activists I think, off the back of the people they met who were advisors on the show and that kind of thing. So they very much are the political obsessives that their characters are. Whereas I just felt so betrayed by Alison Janney just being like, yeah, it's just not really for me. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) This whole thing. Not that that's really problematic, but it was problematic to the reasons I liked her. I remember one of my fave instances of people like being upset that their their fave might have been problematic was when Ariana Grande licked the donut. (laughs) <laughs> oh god you remember yeah. that that was so funny i mean she did actually say something quite problematic she's a very thin woman who said something about like fat people being disgusting or something or like the obesity crisis being disgusting which is like yeah some obviously deeply problematic and i hope she's evaluated and changed her behavior but she also licked the donut and said i hate america and people were like i don't know like thought that that was like really like unpatriotic which i just found absolutely hysterical <laughs> so yeah that's that's one of my favorite examples of your favorite problematic culture yeah. but i do see people there are some celebrities who are just like absolutely gonna be tarred with the problematic brush forever someone like lena dunham who i actually really like a lot of lena dunham's output like i also see these parts of her where she is behaving just like absolutely obnoxiously and you're like wow you really are obnoxious in that way but she gets thrown under the bus for some of the like absolutely most ridiculous things at the same time where you're like, oh, I actually can't take a side in this because yes, I think that it's annoying when Lena Dunham writes a piece about gay marriage and totally frames it around her own like potential straight marriage to her boyfriend in the future. Like, yes, I can see, especially for LGBT people, why that would be deeply frustrating. But like the stuff about her sister, do you remember they they oh, said God, that she yeah. like molested her own sister when she was like four years old? And you're like, oh my God, like leave her alone like that's so 
it's that is like the most extreme example of of PC do you mem- culture. Do you remember like- when also when people tried to dox her dog? Yeah, um, I know. The dog stuff is a bit weird, definitely. It's there definitely weird. weird going on. But I don't think it's like I've yet to see any evidence that she really did anything wrong. Yeah, I mean she adopted a rescue dog when she probably shouldn't have, but yeah. at least she was trying to do a good thing in the first place by adopting the rescue dog. But it's obviously it's all very difficult. But there are just some examples like that where you're like, wow, she's never going to escape scrutiny yeah. over the most minor of her actions. So she's always going... And, you know, th- this is obviously nothing compared to the actual, like, discrimination and oppression that people who aren't, like, posh white women face. And I'm not for a second trying to suggest it is. I just think it's 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 an interesting example of how your fave is problematic culture really has found a person that, that that culture really, like, hangs itself off of. And in a way, I think sometimes some of the stuff that happens with Taylor Swift is similar because... Taylor Swift is like clearly a Machiavellian person who like has done some really effed up stuff and like has been caught out behaving, you know, in this kind of weird victim way when she probably actually isn't a victim in Mm. some of these situations. That's not a comment on her sexual assault case obviously i'm talking about other things yeah she sometimes like i I saw people saying that she's releasing her album on the anniversary of kanye west's mum's death or that she like was lying in a bath in her music video and that's like a nod to kim kardashian being robbed in the bath and those two things i'm like oh is that really what she was trying to do that's such a level of like hyper scrutiny on like november the 10th is a massive release date for albums like it's you know six weeks before christmas it's a Friday this year. Like, I'm sure it wasn't, unless unless it turns out there's a song on the album that's like, Kanye West's mum would be disappointed in him. I find it hard to believe that that would have been an intentional decision to like upset somebody. I think that's the extreme end of Your Fave is Problematic Culture. But on the whole, I think Your Fave is Problematic Culture has probably done good stuff for yeah. culture in general, because I also think that like, it's dangerous to really idolize people because everyone's just a person, right? And I think especially with art and like people who write movies or novels or like, you know, are amazing actors, we can be really quick to be like, oh, they're responsible for this art that touched me and therefore they like must be really, really like transcendent, cool people. But actually, like art is a cool thing that is kind of often more perfect than the people that made it. And so it's probably good not to over-idolise people just because they created something you love. And I think your favourite problematic culture has been good for that on the whole. Yeah, at its best, I think it helps people keep their feet on the ground, you know, and not make excuses for anybody for anything major or minor. But yeah, at its worst, I think it can end up becoming a bit, a bit of a meme about someone like, as you say, Lena Dunham, for instance, where everything she does must be awful. Whereas maybe that's not true. And also I I do see very occasionally on Twitter, you know, someone's maybe trying to have an honest discussion about something like Taylor Swift's new song and they get piled on with like, yeah, but she's just super problematic though. And the mm. person might be trying to say, well, yes, I accept that. But also I would like to talk about the things she made. It can be a bit a way of shutting down or silencing sometimes. At, I think at its more extreme levels. But anyway, yeah. very good question, Laura. Thank you very much. There's so much we could say about that that we would just be here for ages. Okay, so we also had a question from Sophie Davies on Twitter who says, Since season three is coming soon, did either of you carry on watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to the end of season two? I have to admit that no, I didn't. Not for any reason other than that I got quite busy and it fell off my rotation of things I watch. But Anna, I think you carried on with it. 
Yeah, this is one of those weird things that I feel like you recommended me. I know. And you were really keen on in the first place. And I was a bit like, yeah, it's okay, but like, I'm not obsessed with it. And then I like watched it all, <laughs> like within about two weeks. So I don't really know. Like sometimes we do that, don't we, on this show where we're like kind of mildly positive about something and then like just find that we've actually watched it all, which is a lot more than we can say sometimes for something we've absolutely raved about because then later we just haven't kept up with it. Yeah. I don't even know if it was begrudgingly. I think I just did in the end actually really like it. Whizzed through Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and I really liked, I won't spoil it for Caroline, but I did really enjoy the finale of season two. So, and it kind of sets up the next season in a way that is potentially really, really interesting. So I'm excited for season three of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't know exactly when it's coming, but yeah, I've kept up with it and I'll be there. Okay, I'm going to make an effort to keep going with it then because as you, you're right, I did really like it and I don't know why I, I didn't keep watching it. It wasn't like there, some particular thing happened where I was like, oh, no, I just mm. I just stopped. So yeah, must keep going with that. Oh, now we have a question from our colleague Amelia that I'm really excited for you to answer, which is, why hasn't Anna watched Buffy? Why is that, Anna? An interesting question. <laughs> the answer is triple fold. No, I don't know. I really want to watch Buffy. I didn't watch Buffy at the time. I don't really know why, but I feel like most people my age probably watched Buffy later than when it was actually on TV, right? Wasn't Buffy on in the late 90s? So um, I would have been like to be honest, six I, or seven. I'm not sure exactly because I watched it. It used to be on BBC Two on a Thursday night, but I think that might have been... You know how like Channel 4 used to show The Simpsons quite a long time after it had been on in America? I think it was on a, a delayed UK release and it was on BBC Two. I see. So I think I happened to be about the right age for coming home from school, age 12 or 13, watching Buffy every Thursday kind of thing. Yeah, because it originally aired from when I was like five to 11. I guess I could have watched it at that time, but I probably would have gone over my head. But yeah, so maybe I just missed the UK airing of it. But um, I would really like to watch it. And I have seen some of it. Like I didn't I didn't grow up in a vacuum. My, my best friend growing up was really into Buffy. So I, I've seen quite a few episodes of it, like the musical episode. And, and I watched a few recently. And you know, it's good. I like it. It's fine. I have a, I have a life that involves a lot of watching TV. So I haven't set aside the time to watch you know the complete seven seasons of Buffy but I would like to yeah it's definitely a long-term ambition I'd say for us to do a Buffy special slash quiz so you know yeah. keep listening and we'll get to that at some point maybe I should take some DVDs when I go on holiday though I am trying really I do sh I should have a holiday that actually isn't yeah isn't vaguely work related I feel like though I guess watching Buffy is a fun thing um it is fun but also maybe it is a bit like work for you for me I'm very lucky <laughs> lucky that that's my job well thanks amelia for that passive aggressive question because <laughs> she knows why <laughs> well i think that's all the questions for now if people enjoyed this we can do this more regularly by the way if you have questions about you know how we make the podcast for instance anna and i are not in the same room right now but yet somehow magically it works i really hope people haven't noticed that we're just like not in the same place anymore fingers crossed but yeah so technical questions or questions about specific shows always very happy to answer them mm -hmm. and yeah we'll be back with a regular episode next week thanks
Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. On seriouslypod.com, you'll find all our back episodes, including our specials on Harry Potter, Love Actually and Friends. We're also available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. If you've really enjoyed this episode, why not go to iTunes and give it a rating and a review? It helps other people find the show. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.